the fall semester, we started studying the book of Hebrews on Monday, a chapter a week. A wonderfully rich text that unpacks the Old Testament and shows its fulfillment in Christ, but one that's a little longer than once a week in a semester will handle. So we're coming back now for three weeks to finish up this book with Hebrews 11 through 13, verses that take the entire message of this book, the work of Christ, who's greater than Moses, greater than the law, greater than all other things, the very Son of God and Savior of the world, our high priest who gave himself once and for all, takes all of that and brings it to us in a word of encouragement. This morning, we're in Hebrews chapter 11. The passage is often called the Gallery of Faith because it cites numerous examples from the Old Testament of how God's people lived by faith. But at its heart, it's not about the people. It's about the God who is faithful to them and the faith that we have in Him. And it's a timely topic because everybody believes in something. Everyone in the world believes in something. With Christianity being the largest religion in the world, many more people profess faith in the triune God than any other. But we don't have to look too far to see other examples of faith. Whether it's Allah, Brahman, any other specific god or goddesses, a higher power, we can recognize belief or spirituality. And if you count just those involved with these named deities, you account for about 84 to 92% of every pe- person on the world. What about the rest? Surely among the rest we can find a few people without belief or creed, but we'd be mistaken. Currently among those classed as non-religious, about 16% of the world, half of them say there is or might be a God. It leaves only 8% that have some sort of a strong belief. And among them, well, agnostics have belief among them that it's a justifiable position that you can remain in a state of uncertainty and that it probably doesn't matter. And atheists have a strong religious belief, a belief in the non-existence of a deity, something that can only be taken at the end on faith. The truth is everybody believes in something. And then there's my old favorite. Believe in yourself. I believe in the greatest source of hope of all, me. (laughs) Except the many times when I don't. But if you listen to the way that many people describe faith, it's as long as you believe in something, that you have some kind of faith, it's all good. You know, even if we claim non-belief, the day-to-day facts of our lives belie it. There's an old saying loosely based on G.K. Chesterton that says that when a person stops believing in God, he doesn't then believe in nothing, he'll believe anything. For all that we protest, we will believe almost anything. We act like there's no God until we get in crisis and need to be bailed out, and then do we pray. This life is all that matters until a loved one dies and heaven becomes the theme of our speech. We believe that simply posting or reposting a message on Facebook will cause Mark Zuckerberg to share his fortune with us. We believe that a magic pill can make us fit or thin or happy with no effort on our part. We believe that if only we'd be discovered, we will be the next superstar athlete or actor or musician or writer. 
We believe with a good attitude we can accomplish anything. St. Paul once told the Athenians that they were a very religious people because they had a shrine to the unknown God, but they didn't know the one true and living God. I don't doubt that he'd say something similar to our age. I see that you are very believing people, but your faith is so often in the wrong things. And when we put our faith in the wrong things, we'll be disappointed because belief by itself is nothing. Faith needs an object. We believe in something or someone. And that's why pop culture's believe is so dangerous. Belief in bad medicine can kill. Belief in untrustworthy people will leave us disappointed every single time. Belief in a false God does nothing except keep you separate from the true God. When it comes to things of ultimate importance, our lives and our salvation, only the living God is able to help. And we are called to faith in Him. What is faith? Hebrews 11 starts to give us an answer. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Assurance and conviction, not in the abstract, but in something true and reliable. Real faith is in something, and saving faith is in Christ. The Christ who is incarnate and lived our life for us without sin. The Christ who is crucified, bearing our sin and weakness and failure. Christ who died and rose for us. Christ has demonstrated the faithfulness of God again and again and again. And Christ sends us His Holy Spirit to give birth to the life of faith in us, His own true gift. God gives us salvation and God gives us the faith. Now I've often heard people cite those words from Hebrews 11.1 and define faith and think that they're done. Everything that can be said and needs to be said is done. Now, they're great and helpful words, but we'd be reading them without their context if we treat them like a soundbite. Because Hebrews shows us something in addition to these words of confidence and certainty. Faith does things. Faith produces actions. Faith is living, producing fruit following our Lord Jesus. But we're not, by saying those words, implying that actions are faith or that we're saved by what we do. In fact, just the opposite. Hebrews teaches us that without faith, the actions are nothing. Without faith, it is impossible to please God, for without faith, every action that we have is nothing but sin. And rebellion. The assurance and conviction that we read of in Hebrews 11.1 1 expresses, this, expresses itself and it results in us drawing near to God who first drew near to us and draws us to Him, to the God who found us. Salvation is His gift. The life is His gift. The responses of faith are His gift. It all comes from Him. From Him. 
And he gives it freely to us. Hebrews 11 goes on to cite many examples of faith. And the examples that are there demonstrate these truths. Consider just a few of them. What was the difference between Abel's sacrifice and the sacrifice of his brother? Simply that Abel's sacrifice was offered in faith. That he was in a state of grace. And therefore was pleasing to God and responding to the faith that God gave to him, Abel gave an offering. Or what of Noah, who believed God's word? He had faith and was saved and so responded by listening to God and building an ark. Or Abraham, who believed, and that belief was credited to him as righteous. And in response... He followed God into a new land and became the father of many. Or of Sarah with him who believed God's word and bore a son from whom came ultimately the Messiah. And the list goes on and on through the chapter. It's such a simple simple and helpful teaching, but it's sadly undermined by those who want to ignore the condition that none of their actions would have meant anything without God's gift of faith. And through faith, God works wonders. We see another fruit of faith in this chapter, and that is that assurance and conviction express themselves in trust. As Hebrews describes our ancestors in the faith, it doesn't paint a fictional scenario where everything was easy and they always chose appropriately. Our forefathers believed God's promises and they trusted him to fulfill them, but many died before they saw the promise fulfilled. They knew they would be fulfilled in a later time, but they did not see the completion of the promise with their own eyes. And still they believed, living as strangers and exiles, awaiting the fulfillment of the promise, but trusting that God who had been so gracious would keep all of his promises. So they lived and died in hopeful expectation. We are called to live in the same way. For like the patriarchs, we live in faith, but as strangers and exiles. We've been given the faith, but God has given great promises to us. And some are fulfilled before our eyes and others we wait in faith. Our sins are forgiven, but we still struggle with the flesh and need God's grace daily. We know that God has revealed himself to us, but we still see dimly, imperfectly. We receive our daily bread from our Lord's hand, but we know that there are needs we constantly entrust to him, and we await even greater fulfillment. We pray for deliverance and for healing and for peace and reconciliation and many other things. And God answers those prayers. Some completely, others with an answer of wait. And this is why God shows us this gallery of the faithful. These great saints from of old were not the perfect people. They had their struggles and doubts and failures just as we do. There was sin to forgive, problems to overcome, afflictions to endure, doubts to be faced, 
But they trusted the God who gave, gave himself for them. They had faith and are commended to us because of it. So I ask you, what's the difference between them and us? Like them, we have God's gift of faith. Like them, we have seen God's faithfulness over and over again. We know his character. We know our Lord is trustworthy. Like them, our genuine needs have been provided in abundance. But unlike them, we have seen the fulfillment of God's greatest promise. The one they only anticipated has come to pass among God's people with the incarnation, death, and resurrection of the Son of God. We have seen the fulfillment of what they look forward to. And so God calls us again to faith, to a strong assurance and conviction that we belong to Jesus and that all things are in his hand. Believing, God calls us to go forth in his name. I encourage you in the week ahead to read through Hebrews chapter 11 and see some of the details of this gallery of faith. We'll come back next week as Hebrews shows one more example of faith, the way that we live. Let's close in prayer.